welcome this morning to Dialogue Gospel Study for today, August 13th, 2023. Uh, today we are uh, blessed to have Tanisha Zandamela with us to teach and her husband, Jordan. Uh, why am I blanking here? Jordan Harvey, um, who will join us for the closing prayer and also for conversation. Um, Michael Austin of the Dialogue Foundation Board, Linda Kimball of the Dialogue Foundation Board, and myself, Chris Kimball, are um, running this program, and uh, Linda's going to offer the opening prayer when we get there. Um, I'd like to welcome you to Dialogue and, and remind you, do my... Uh, my advertising here that uh, Dialogue is a uh, more than 50-year-old um, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints-oriented uh, Mormon world-oriented journal, premier journal in the field. Uh, have, we have now gone all digital all the time, and uh, the journal is available in a Full search, fully searchable format online. If you find that, I find that a very rich resource. Um, because we're all digital all the time, we are supported now by a uh, some number of subscriptions, but also by donation. And let me encourage everybody to uh, donate and continue donating. And I thank you for all of your past support and encourage uh, more in the uh, in the dialogue uh, world, we are providing the dialogue journal online, but we and we are also supporting a podcast network where dialogue is an umbrella for fourteen top-notch podcasts. Um, also available uh, through the dialogue foundation journal, or or, or how do we call it? The, the dialogue page, dialoguejournal.com, um, but also individually. Um, and I and as a today kind of program, this evening, 6 p.m. Mountain Time, we have a uh, dialogue journal forum roundtable titled the September 6th, a 30-year retrospective. I invite you to join and listen in uh, this evening at 6 p.m. Mountain Time. Now, Today, we are uh, pleased to welcome Tanisha Zandamela. I already mentioned her. Z uh, Tanisha is a third-year law student living in the Washington, D.C. area with her husband, Jordan Harvey, who is also with us. Throughout her life, community involvement has been deeply important to Tanisha, especially as a black woman and daughter of an immigrant. Tanisha is an honors graduate at Brigham Young University with degrees in sociology and French. As a student at BYU, she ran for Provo City Council in 2017 and co-founded the BYU Women of Color Club. She is the author of Pioneer Day in Dialogue uh, Fall 2019 and the least of these uh, in the BYU Studies Quarterly Volume 61 in 2022. Uh, we also, I'll, I'll, I'll reintroduce Linda Kimball, who will offer an opening prayer. Linda is a member of the Dialogue Foundation Board frequent contributor of poetry and articles and dialogue and other LDS-oriented journals, and one of the editors of the BYU Studies issue, Tanisha's article, The Least of These Appeared. And, uh, and finally, but not least, Jordan Harvey will offer a closing prayer 
and also be here for for discussion. Jordan is an attorney and Tanisha's husband. Jordan taught the dialogue gospel study lesson on May 22nd, 2022, which is available online at YouTube if you search him out. Uh, we're going to begin today with music, I Feel My Savior's Love. Uh, and then uh, Linda will offer an opening prayer. Our great, loving, kind God, we thank thee for thy love. We thank thee for your constant awareness of the struggles and joys that we experience in this mortal life. We pray for thy blessing to be on all of us in this session today, uh, especially bless Tanisha that she may uh, express her thoughts as eloquently as, as she always does. And we pray also that our hearts may be open and um, hungry. And we say this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Tanisha, your, your platform. Go. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Um, thank you, everyone, for being here. To those who are watching this recorded, um, thank you for watching. I uh, first want to just ask for some grace today. I know that it's a very busy time. Uh, we have a friend at a time. We have lots going on. And so um, I would uh, appreciate uh, some grace and also um, would love for those of you who are here live to participate. Um, I never just want to be talking at everyone. I, I definitely want to hear everyone's thoughts and comments. I'll have some sort of questions to think about as we um, go along, but I would love everyone's, you know, thoughts um, related to the lesson. So let me share my screen and we'll get started. Wonderful. So today I'll be talking about Romans 1 through 16. One thing that you should know is that I am in the primary, and before I was in the primary, um, Jordan and I taught at Sunday school for youth. And so I feel like often when I do the Come Follow Me and I am teaching, I am really trying to think about how to break down these principles. Um, and I think that that's just so valuable, even as adults. Um, I think that there are just so many very fundamental values and principles that the scriptures teach us about. And that's what I want to talk about today. So as I was reading through um, Romans 1 through 16, reading through Paul's words, you have Paul sharing a lot of things that people should not be doing um, and sort of the flawed nature of what people do and how they behave. But the sort of underlying theme underneath is that, you know, the Savior loves us, that there is so much love there. Um, and what the Come Follow Me manual says is that, you know, even though Paul spent much of his epistle correcting false statements, false ideas, and flawed behaviors, it seems he also wanted to assure these new Christian converts, they truly were saints who are beloved of God. I think that's beautiful. And so what I want to talk about today 
is this sort of theme of love. And I'm actually going to break it down into three parts um, because again, I, I just think that those basics uh, that come out of these lessons are so, so important. And again, I hope that you feel comfortable sharing your thoughts and experiences in the chat. So there's three parts to this. The first part I wanna talk about is self-love and self-compassion. The second part that we'll talk about is loving one another. And then the third part is about um, the Savior's love for us and our heavenly parents um, and their love for us. So I want to start with talking about um, loving ourselves and self-compassion. And I, I think that there might be sort of a, a feeling of talking about this may seem like selfish. We're commanded to focus on one another, focus on God. But I think that when we look at Matthew and these commandments, um, Jesus said unto him, thou shalt love thy Lord, the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And I am very struck by that last part, as thyself. It sort of presumes that we do love ourselves, that we are sort of exercising self-compassion. And so I think that it, this is a very important piece of, of this. And I don't think that it it's selfish. I think that it's very critical to um, our well-being, our spiritual well-being, our mental well-being, everything. So it sort of reminds me of that sort of old you know, saying is that you put your mask on before anyone else as if you were, you know, as they tell you when you're on a plane. And that's sort of what I think about. Um, one thing that, um, as I was sort of preparing this lesson that I was looking, there's a video that the church put out that I'm uh, not going to play, but you can find it. It's about self-compassion. And they sort of talk about different ways to, to practice self-compassion, um, and they share this quote from Jeffrey L. Holland, um, as children of God, we should not demean or vilify ourselves as if beating up on ourselves is somehow going to make us the person God wants us to become. I think that very um, frequently within the church and particularly with sort of American church culture, there is this message of perfectionism and whether like that may not be explicitly taught from the pulpit, but I do think that there is a lot of that within the culture of wanting to be perfect, whether it's, you know, in our professional pursuits or especially within our spiritual pursuits. I want to do everything right. And when I was looking at the, watching this video from the church, there was a comment on YouTube that said something to the effect of, um, you know, when I feel like I don't do everything right, even if I'm not doing anything wrong, but I don't feel like I've done all of my scripture study that I was supposed to, then I feel like I'm a bad person and that I, and I, and it feels very anxiety inducing. And so I think that reminding ourselves when we're thinking about love, love one another, our savior's love. 
there's a really important aspect of remembering that everyone is a child of God, which includes ourselves, and that we are also deserving of love and forgiveness and patience. And it's so interesting because I think that a lot of times it can be sometimes easier to say, I want to go out and take care of other people, um, and that will uh, give me worth and give me meaning. And I think that it's very important to do that. We'll talk about loving one another, serving one another. But I think that there is an important reminder that we have in in Romans, which is that we are loved, that we are worthy just as ourselves um, and as we are. And so that means that even when we're not doing um, everything, we're still worthy. We're as, as human beings, as people. And so that's what I wanted to sort of start this out with. I think that then is just a really important um, reminder. Um, there's also a, a message that the church shared, which is the, the antidote for the poison of self-criticism is, is self-compassion. And so I hope that throughout this lesson, but also going forward, we can have sort of more conversations um, to be able to, you know, feel compassion for ourselves. It is about other people. It is about serving other people. But in order to go forward and, and do the work and serve like Christ, we also have to acknowledge that we are loved as well. So I would, if anyone wants to share, um, I would love to talk about practicing, you know, what you do to practice self-compassion and self-love. Um, and then I have a little action item that you can sort of take for yourself and, and do. I love action items. I think that they're, they're great. It's always nice to have something to do. So if anyone has any thoughts about that, I would love to hear them. Um, I think that I'll start and, and say that for me, I think one thing that I do um, that I have to remind myself of is something that I talked about before, which is that the things that I do are not what make me a good person or, or worthy. That is like, if I'm doing more things at work, that doesn't make me a better person. My sort of output of the, the things that I'm um, getting accomplished, checking out the to-do list doesn't necessarily make me a better person. And I think in my head, sometimes it feels like maybe it does. I do need to check all the boxes. And if I do every single thing perfectly right every single day, then that's great. But I think that um, we're, you know, already worthy without needing to do every to-do list all the time. It's just not always possible. Um, Go ahead. Am I on? Yeah. Okay, I could say something. Um, this reminds me of when our youngest son was born, um, he he was born with one ear that was deformed, and we weren't sure whether he had hearing in that ear, and we're very concerned to find out. And when he was just 10 days old, we took him into the hospital to have an elaborate hearing electrodes attached to every part of him test. And as, we, as Chris was holding him before the doctors came to do what they needed to do, Chris said, we love you so much and you haven't done anything cute yet. And 
I um, he has in in this interval, our young son has grown up and has done many very cute things. But uh, that feeling at the moment of just pure love, um, and he wasn't even the one with all the maternal hormones going through, and so um, I definitely know that feeling of giving pure love, it's harder to feel it towards myself, but I, but I think that that's part of the message that uh, these passages are teaching and that you're highlighting for us, to have that sense that God loves us, even though in, this, in, our, in our entire mortal lives, we won't do anything cute that by God's or by outrageous standards that we can't uh, ever fully match. And that's only, uh, it becomes something that is not terrible and fear-promoting if you realize that God loves us with the assumption that we haven't done anything cute yet and that uh, we can't fully comprehend what that means, but it is not based in fear and scrupulosity and perfectionism. Is to accept as the primary, uh, be, before anything else happens, love is from God. So. Um, and Mary Carly says here, I like to start each day writing in my gratitude journal which I'm going to, I want to expand on, uh, the idea that God loves you, that you're good enough, that you don't get any better by doing better. I like that way of talking about it, Tanisha, um, leads or is promoted by the idea of gratitude for what we have. If you feel like you earned it or feel like you are deserve it, then um, then it's just sort of routine. It's you know, what you're entitled to. And, and then the only where, from my point of view, the only place down is negative. I mean, the only place is down. You know, I didn't get what I was deserving. But if we, um, if you're, if you're not getting any better or worse, but you are doing, you're, you're being yourself and you are still loved and you still receive blessings, then all you have is gratitude. And that, um, yeah. And I also appreciate Mary's comment about the gratitude journal. One of the practices I do is at night as I'm falling asleep, I think of things I'm grateful for, kind of like my own internal lullaby. And it's uh, a charming way <laughs> to fall asleep, especially if you're stressed out from a hard day just to go through and think about what I'm genuinely gra grateful for. And it's a, a, it's a holy practice. So thank you, Mary, for bringing that up. I think um, I really like you pointing out um, that in those, in the first and the great two commandments, um, you know, it, it almost presupposes, you know, love your neighbor as yourself. It almost presupposes that you do love yourself. And um, I, I love that you pointed that out. And I think that, it's something that, you know, maybe isn't talked about in that way, but I think that we can't fulfill that second commandment until we love ourselves. 
um, that you can't love others as yourself if you don't love yourself first. So this notion of, um, you know, finding out who you are um, and, you know, I guess, yeah, loving yourself and, and liking yourself and um, centering it in that and, and not so much in, well, as you said, I do these things for others. And so therefore I have worth. And that's what I love about myself is how I serve others, right? Or how useful I am to others. That that's not where it should start. It should start with, you know, I'm enough as you have here. Um, I just love that idea of starting with yourself and it all grows from there. I think there's also um, a challenge sometimes for some of us whose brains sabotage our ability to <laughs> perceive that kind of love, uh, you know, people who have um, depression diagnoses or, or sometimes just cannot lift themselves to an attitude of acknowledging love because the brain chemistry or the negative um, commentary from those who are rearing us or who are in our closest orbit are combative to just it's a challenge and it's something that needs to be addressed with um, compassion towards oneself and to get help if uh, medications are needed or if uh, uh, if you can change your environment so that you're not with the people who are constantly picking at you. Um, anyway, that's just sometimes our chemistry is not our best friend. I completely agree. Thank you for, for bringing that up. Um, I think that's a really, really important one though, because um, I think that sometimes, like you said, it, taking care of a, ourselves is part of that sort of self-compassion and self-love. I think there's sort of this idea in society sort of generally that we're all able to um, do the same things. Um, and not everyone, everyone has different abilities, different abilities to handle different things. We have um, different responsibilities. This is sort of, I, I think that it's so important before going out and, and helping to, to also recognize that we might not be able to do the same things that someone else who maybe doesn't have uh, a mental illness or um, or anything else, you know might be able to do. And so we have to sort of recognize for ourselves what we're able to do and what we need and, and take care of ourselves. And I really appreciate um, everyone's comments. It's um, very, very helpful. And, and I think the gratitude journal is something um, definitely that, that I like. I think I might start doing that. I don't do that now. And I love that idea. So thank you for sharing that. Okay, I'm going to go to the next one, um, and and now we're going to sort of move into talking about loving one another. And I think that again, this is sort of one of those very, um, you know, quote unquote simple concepts. But but I think that there's so much to to talk about here. And again, this comes up in Romans. Um, Paul is talking about this. Uh, we've read. You know, Matthew, we've seen the, the sort of great commandment. So here in Romans 13, um, owe no man anything but to love one another. 
but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. And if there be any commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. So I want to start um, with that one first and, and talk a little bit about this sort of common thing, which is that we um, love the sinner and we um, hate the sin. And I think that um, this quote has become sort of a, a hallmark statement for a lot of um, people, particularly um, among Christians, among LDS people. Um, and generally, I think that when I've heard that used, it's sort of in relation to talking about the LGBTQ community um, and sort of explaining why, you know, we should be able to judge certain folks for um, for who they are. And I, I think that that idea sort of distorts what um, we read about in the scriptures and, and what this is talking about. I think that one thing that I think often is that love is sort of a, an action. Um, it, we're asked to make specific actions, specific decisions um, to love one another. It's not just, I think that it, it also is a feeling but I'm really struck in the scriptures and particularly in reading Romans, how it, it feels very much like we're asked to go and do something, right? We are reminded many times at the church and throughout the scriptures that we're required to, to take action. Um, faith without works is dead, right? Is, um, and so... I, I think that, and we'll look here, Romans 14 in the next chapter, but why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set and not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Let us not therefore judge one another any more, but judge this rather that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. And so I think that, you know, as I think about this and I, I think about sort of this amorphous idea of love and just sort of like, we love people, um, but we don't like them, what they do, and we'll sort of tolerate them being around. That is not what, what love is, Right. And what I think is a, a really great, I love this um, primary song, I'll Walk With You. And I, I think about this often because I feel like this gives the sort of action of what it means to love one another. Um, and if you don't know this uh, song, it's one of my favorites. I won't sing it, um, but you can sing it in your head. Um, but you can you know see this here you don't walk as most people do some people walk away from you but i won't i won't if you don't talk as most people do some people talk and laugh at you but i won't i won't i'll walk with you i'll talk with you that's how i'll show my love for you jesus walked away from none 
he gave his love to everyone. So I will, I will. Jesus blessed all that, all he could see, then turned and said, come follow me. And I will, I will. I'll walk with you. I'll talk with you. That's how I'll show my love for you. And so again, I, I think that this, you know, this, this primary song is so powerful because it shows sort of the action that we take, that we we walk with people, we talk with people, that it goes beyond sort of a, a general feeling of love um, and more of, and a general feeling of like tolerating that people exist and a true reminder that love and, and the way that Christ, you know, loves us and, and on this earth was walking with people, was talking with people, a lot of people that, you know, other people didn't like. He was um, not just sort of saying, I love those people, whatever, they're great, but but really um, showing that. Um, and I, that's, that's the first part. And, and the second part I wanted to talk about is just sort of, I think that when we talk about this, sometimes it's hard because on the other hand, what about people who actually have done something really harmful, right? Who have hurt us or hurt others. I think that we can't forget that part of it. And I think that that's where this can feel a little tricky because one part of, of love and love one another is, is forgiveness. But I um, very much recognize that there are a lot of um, harms that people can um, can commit and that those things are real. Um, so I, I want to read a quote, and I don't have this up on the slide, but I'll read it from here. Um, this is from Sister Obazaki, who um, I'm sure many of you know and love, um, a big fan. Uh, she said, you know, we will see great evils being done, evils that we will sometimes be powerless to prevent. It is also probable that evils will be done to us. Um, forgiveness is not the same as pretending that there's nothing to forgive. Great wrongs inspire deep indignation. We should not pretend that something doesn't matter or doesn't hurt us when it does matter and it did hurt. And so what I want to also add to this is that you know, forgiveness is very personal um, for each person. I think that, again, there's all sorts of different circumstances. And so that's, I, I, I think that what I take away from this is just that we can, love takes action. Um, it can be personal to us how we're going to respond to different people maybe who have hurt us. Um, but I think that the big takeaway that I took away from reading Romans was especially this sort of idea of really putting our love into action um, and not just saying that we love people, but but actually loving them, actually accepting them. Um, and so, you know, if, if you have any thoughts on how you show um, your love for others through through your actions. I would love to hear about it. One thing I'd like to say is that the primary song that you had on the screen was written by Carolyn Pearson, 
who is a um, an example of exactly what you're talking about to to put that love and openness and acceptance as the primary motivation. But it is also, as you said, complex because people will not necessarily behave that way towards us. It's not you you give love, you get it back. That would be nice. And sometimes it works. But sometimes you give love and you get slapped in the face. So um, it's a muscular, this kind of love. And uh, important to know that we cannot control the behaviors or the attitudes of others. And I, I find that a challenge because the, there are occasionally people in my life or who influence my life whose attitudes and policies may just be so completely against what I believe is the better way. And I'm still called to love those people, that person. And that is, again, it's a muscular, it's an uh, aerobic exercise in, in how to keep your peace and keep your love. And, uh, and sometimes that means you have to distance yourself from them. And drawing boundaries is part of it, but you also have to realize you need to draw your boundaries with love as, as well. So throw that out there. I noticed in the scripture you have about three slides before that it's the end of the line was uh, there. Um, love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Um, that jumped out at me when you were reading the sentence or referring to the sentence about um, love the sinner but hate the sin, uh, because hate the sin, I think, is working ill to his neighbor. It's almost a direct contradiction to that line. But I, I take it that we are called to not... Well, we might have to distance ourselves, why, why we might have to protect ourselves, why we might have to um, limit other people's actions, that we are called to not exact revenge, to not um, think in terms of retribution. Um, and, and I mean, there are various forms. When you study the criminal law, for example, you have different forms of, of uh, logic for why we... Um, why we put people in prison, why we stop people. But one of those is that people sort of talk natural man. The natural man wants to, uh, wants revenge. And I think we're called to just get rid of that, to stop that part of our natural feelings and, and, and dispense with the idea of revenge or retribution. Uh, I think another part of um, loving your neighbor, even when it's difficult and even when it's, you're unsure sort of how to navigate that because of what they've done or, or you know, because they're so different from you or whatever it is. Um, I think there's a talk by President Monson where he encourages us to um, pray to be able to see other people the way that Christ sees them or pray to be able to feel 
the way about other people that our heavenly parents feel about them. And that if it's almost like what, what um, you were saying, Sister Kimball, about um, your child and, and sort of that paternal uh, or maternal parental um, love that's you know almost un uh, unconditional. If we pray to feel the way, to feel about people the way Christ feels about them and to see them through his eyes, I think is what President Monson says, it will find it easier to extend that love, to extend that grace, to extend whatever level of forgiveness is, you know, safe or tolerable, um, depending on the circumstances. But um, to try to see through their eyes, I think is um, a big, a big, a key concept. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. These are all, thank you so much. Such, such great thoughts. And this really is such a complex, such a simple phrase, but there's so much complexity that, that goes into it. Um, so I appreciate everyone's thoughts um, about that. And so to sort of finish out, um, I want to talk about the sort of love from our Savior and, and our Heavenly Parents. We started this with, um, I feel my Savior's love, which is, um, you know, sort of on theme. Uh, and, and I want to talk a little bit more about this. So one thing that the Come Follow Me um, brings up for this lesson um, is about grace. And so I, I want to share this, which is grace is an enabling power that allows people to hold on eternal life and exaltation after they have expended their own best efforts. We do not earn grace through our efforts. Rather, it is grace that gives us strength and assistance to do good works that we otherwise would not be able to maintain. And what I think is really important and what's emphasized in the lesson is that grace is something that we we don't earn. Um, we receive it. And so the question is more about, you know, how are we open to receiving that? Are we being open to receiving that? And I think that this is really important because I think that um, there's a very sort of um, uh, American capitalist uh, mindset that sometimes comes up in church lessons. Um, sort of, you know, we believe in a meritocracy and, uh, you know, we have to earn our way and we have to do these things. And it's just not fundamentally how the, the gospel works, right? We don't earn the grace. We don't earn, you know, the Savior's love, right? The Savior loves us. Um, we, as it says, get this grace to be able to give us the strength to um, do good, to be able to um, work towards and, and strive towards being better. But I love this idea of just, receiving grace. I think that is, is a really important part. And it sort of ties into what we were talking about um, with self-love and self-compassion, right? We don't, we're not doing anything specific to earn that sort of um, love and, and grace. Can I add? Yeah, absolutely. Please. Um, this reminds me that there are a number of uh, small treasures that were written by a uh, professor uh, philosopher adam miller who is um in fact i think one of the titles is grace is not god's backup plan 
Um, it, anyway, just a, a, a reference to people that he has written some wonderful, concise, and fascinating little volumes on the subject of grace in general. And uh, grace is not God's backup plan is actually a paraphrase of the book of Romans. Yes. That is, that is uh, exactly what he's talking about here, is what we're talking about here. That's great. I, I didn't know about that. I'll have to check that out. That sounds really Oh, yes. Do. So to close out, um, I, I want to read this is one of my favorite quotes. Jordan has heard this so many times because every time I um, give a talk, I always um, read this quote. And I, I just really, I, I really love this quote. I, I, I think that it's... Um, so helpful and, and really wonderful. So the gal is from Sister Robin Lockheed, Um and she says that we know that Jesus experienced the totality of mortal existence in Gethsemane. It's our faith that he experienced everything, absolutely everything. Sometimes we don't think through the implications of that belief, We're talking great generalities about the sin of all humankind, about the suffering of the entire human family, but we don't experience pain and generalities we experience it individually. He knows all of that. He's been there. He's been lower than that. He's not waiting for us to be perfect. Perfect people don't need a savior. He came to save his people in their imperfection. He is the Lord of the living and the living make mistakes. He's not embarrassed by us, angry at us, or shocked. He wants us in our brokenness, in our unhappiness, in our guilt and our grief. Jesus is the light of the world. We know that this world is a dark place sometimes, but we need not walk in darkness. We need him, and he is ready to come to us if we'll open the door and let him. And I I love this quote. In, in sort of between the quotes that I read, she sort of lists out all of these different, you know, circumstances. He understands this circumstance and this circumstance. And they think that I find this quote so powerful, and it reminded me when I was sort of reading Romans, of this um, deep, deep love that our Savior has for each one of us. I love this sort of idea that he's not embarrassed by us, he's not angry by us. I think that that love is is so powerful. And I think sometimes it's hard to, you know, really recognize that or feel that, but I am very struck by how powerful that is um, and how uh, wonderful that is. And so... Um, you know, think about how you sort of felt the Savior's love. Um, and that's something that I'm trying to think about for each week is, it's how do I feel that? Because I feel like sometimes it's so big to me that someone could understand me, um, like that the Savior really knows me and, and really could, you know, love me and not be embarrassed or angry or, or any of that. That feels very big. Um, but you know, I definitely seen that in my own life that and felt that love. Um, and so I would, you know, I don't know if anyone has any thoughts that they want to share about about any of that, but um, I just felt like that was a good place to sort of sort of end um, is just remembering how much we are um, just unconditionally loved. 
I I'm going to I'm going to invite us to close, but I am going to speak up, I guess, to say I'm I'm reminded of that primary hymn, I feel my Savior's love. I know because I've heard it from a number of people that as a essentially a matter of testimony that when we understand, when we really incorporate that knowledge that the Savior loves us, it's powerful, it's important, and it is like nothing else matters. You get that, and you're, you're done. You sort of, you got the message. And that reminds me very personally of uh, back in 2007, when um, Chris, <laughs> sorry. You don't have to go there. <laughs> yes, I do. Uh, Chris was diagnosed with a rare and advanced uh, cancer, and his chances of survival were low. And we were at a hospital in Washington, D.C., uh, with him preparing for a very complicated surgery. And at one point, I think he'd had the surgery and was still in recovery. And I was tasked with going to a drugstore in downtown D.C. and buying fentanyl. So it was my drug run. And uh, as I was walking across the hospital campus, I just felt as though the clouds opened and not rain, but love came back and sort of embraced me with this uh, aspect of uh, there are are more important things in this life than life. And love is it. And it was down to the, to the tips of my toes and the marrow of my bones. I just had this overwhelming sense of love. And of course, at that point, we didn't know whether he would survive or not. It was still just post-surgery. But it was such a welcome a welcome boon and a deluge of pure love for which I'm obviously still very grateful and grateful he made it. <laughs> um, thank you. I think we better close. Jordan, can we call on for closing prayer? Absolutely. Our Father in heaven, we come before you on this Sabbath day with gratitude in our hearts for all that thou has done for us. We're so grateful for um, the gift of thy son, Jesus Christ, and his atonement and the power that it gives us to feel thy love, to be better, um, and to be able to reflect that love to others during this life. We're grateful for the restoration of the church in these latter days and the opportunity that we have to know it we ask that we will be able to take this lesson into our daily lives, that we will be able to learn and practice um, self-love, loving others, and loving our Savior and our Heavenly Parents and feeling their love for us. We ask a blessing on those in need, um, and we ask a blessing on the missionaries and on our church leaders that they will be led to do the right thing. And we say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.
Greetings, my name is Rebecca Deschweinitz and I'm thrilled to serve as a board member at the Dialogue Foundation and as one of the hosts of Dialogue Gospel Study. In each episode, which we record live the second and fourth Sunday of every month, we welcome esteemed speakers from a variety of backgrounds to share their insights and perspectives on the Come Follow Me lessons. Our aim is to spark meaningful conversations about the scriptures, to connect them to our personal experiences and to our understandings and explorations of the gospel. To stay in the loop with our upcoming lessons and this opportunity to engage with Mormon thought, culture, and belief, be sure to visit DialogueJournal.com and sign up for our newsletter. By doing so, you'll receive updates and timely links to join our live stream lessons. Additionally, you can catch up on our past guests and episodes by subscribing to Dialogue Journal on YouTube, Facebook, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Podcast Network.